you may or may not be familiar with uh, Morgan Spurlock. I'm pretty sure your kids are familiar with him. They have to watch his documentary uh, at a lot of schools. That's when he became famous, was putting together a documentary that was nominated. It didn't win, sorry. But it was nominated for the Academy Award for Documentary of the Year. He wrote the documentary, put the documentary together called Supersize Me. Have y'all heard of that? Some of y'all, okay, quite a bit of us, you know what this is about, looking at the impact of uh, fast food and particularly McDonald's on a person's life. And so Morgan, uh, what he did is he ate three times a day, he ate at McDonald's for 30 days. No food entered his body for an entire month that did not come from McDonald's. Now, supposedly he didn't ask for anything to be supersized. But if the cashier or the person taking his order says, do you want that supersized? He would always say yes. And so the the documentary is about what would be the impact of that. Now, I, I can't validate the claims that he makes or says in this, but supposedly doctors monitored this and, and measured this. And 30 days of eating at nothing but McDonald's, after 30 days, he gained 25 pounds. He suffered liver and heart dysfunction and depression. Okay, (laughs) that's good news, isn't it? Because I think really what the documentary is trying to say is that Morgan just did to himself very quickly what a lot of us are doing to ourselves very slowly over time. Makes a difference what goes in, doesn't it? Isn't that what mom always said? Garbage in, garbage out. You put garbage in, you you can't get anything good from that. Well, guess what? The scripture actually says that. Let's look and see how the Bible teaches this principle. Would you turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. If it's not one right in front of you, it's somewhere on the row there. If you point to it, I'm sure somebody will hand you one. But I want everybody to be able to read along. 1 Corinthians 15. You'll find this in the New Testament after the Gospels, Acts, and Romans strategically placed right before 2 Corinthians. Somebody, somebody thought that out, didn't they? First and 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Now, what we're going to see here, folks, is that this garbage in, garbage out principle is a lot bigger issue than just food. This is true for everything that enters our life. Everything that is going by our ears, through our eyes, into our heart and mind is having an impact on our life. It's having an impact on your your general state of well-being, your health. Are we aware? Are we aware of what we're dieting on, of what's coming in and the impact that it's having? Let's look and see what Paul says here. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. It says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts, corrupts, hurts, makes unhealthy, kills. Bad company corrupts good morals. You put garbage in, it's not going to produce anything good on the other side. Verse 34, become right-minded and stop sinning because some people are ignorant about God. I say this to your shame. Now you might read that and think, well, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like a health verse. Well, hold, hold on with me here for a little bit. Paul's writing the Corinthians. This is a church in Corinth and folks, it is a church that is a mess. I don't know if these people said, let's just see how many things we can do wrong in one week or what. But I mean, in every direction, this church has made a mess of things. This is the second longest letter that Paul wrote, uh, Romans being the longest. But this letter is just entirely about problems. And guess what? Second Corinthians is too. 
When you put First and Second Corinthians together, you're talking about one of the longest pieces of writing in the New Testament, and it's just dealing with problems. Now, as we might expect, he's, he's dealing with some spiritual and theological problems that they have, some, some messes that they've made there, but he's also dealing with personal problems, relational problems, moral problems. The church is a mess, and, and this is where the church in Corinth lives. This is what is bombarding them all the time. This is what they keep company with. And so Paul is addressing this with them. And as he's doing this here in chapter 15, he's actually addressing one of the more theological issues, one of the more spiritual issues. He's defining the gospel. He's talking about the importance of the resurrection the importance of our belief in the resurrection of Jesus, the importance of our belief in our eventual resurrection, how central this is to the Christian faith. And so it's kind of a meaty chapter. As a matter of fact, you look down at it, it's 58 verses long. This is a long chapter, a beefy chapter. <coughs> except, And yet, right in the middle of it, you find these two verses that we just read. I, I don't know about y'all, but I mean, I think if you were to read the whole chapter, the verses almost don't fit. I mean, here you got this theology and this definition and this explaining. And then all of a sudden, here's these two verses that are just kind of practical living verses. It commands about daily living, daily life. It's almost like they don't fit. But remember who Paul's writing. Remember where he is. This is a church that lives in Corinth. And Corinth is a, is a very immoral city, uh, known for its deviant behavior, known for sexual immorality. It's really what it's known for is the extreme. Enjoy anything and everything, just enjoy it to the extreme. Man, check your, check your self-control at the city limits. Well, this is the philosophy of life in Corinth. And this church lives right in the middle of it. This is what they keep company with. Yeah, the verse here is talking about people. The, the people you keep company with. But folks, what comes with people? Ideas, philosophies, values, a whole lot of conversations presenting these things. And, and what the Scripture is saying is, listen, you can't keep company with this worldliness. You can't keep company with these ideas antagonistic to God and think they're not going to affect your life. It, it's going to corrupt. It's going to hurt. Now, I'm imagining that the Corinthians would do well about the same thing you and I would do. We'd get a little defensive there, wouldn't we? Well, that, that, they, they're not having any effect on me. It's not bothering me why I, I know what I do and I know what I don't do and I got my rules and I'm, I'm very clean and clear on that. And we'd say it's not impacting my life. It's not affecting my life to be around this all the time. Notice the first four words of verse 33. Do not be deceived. The reason that command is there, and it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not an idea. It's not even a warning. It's a command. Stop being misled. Stop being deceived. Folks, do you know who can be one of the worst deceivers in our life? Ourselves. We, we deceive ourselves that I can handle it. I'm strong. It doesn't have any impact on me. I mean, think about it. We all do it. A variety of ways. For instance, we say, you know what? I can sit for hours and hours every single night, night after night, day after day, week after week, month after month in front of the TV, and it's not going to have any impact on me. And folks, by the way, I'm not against TV. 
I, I watch TV. This, this isn't, yo, you're a bad person, you watch TV. But let's, let's also be honest about what's on the TV. Most of that on there, at best, at the very, very, very best, is neutral to God and his ideas. Most of it, every sitcom, everything on there, is really presenting an idea that's in contrast to God. That's in opposition to his values and principles. And so we're saying, yeah, I can have this go by my heart and mind and eyes, and I can absorb this day after day after day, and it won't have any impact on me. Hours and hours. You realize how many hours we spend? I mean, think about it, folks. Most of us, let's be honest. Guess what I did this week? Read the Bible every day. <laughs> spent 10 minutes in God's Word, seven whole days in a row. You know what? Honestly, that'd be something for a lot of us, wouldn't it? That, that'd, be, that'd be a victory if I spent 10 whole minutes in God's Word for seven days in a row. You kidding me? Yet it doesn't take any effort at all to spend two, three hours a day in front of the TV, day after day. And it's not seven days in a row. It's, it's 365 days in a row, isn't it? And yet what will deceive ourselves is that I can have all these ideas wash over me all the time. I, I can handle it. I'm strong, I'm mature, I, 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 you know, well, I don't watch the bad programming. Do not deceive yourselves. It's not just about entertainment and TV and music, folks. It's also about people, isn't it? Oh, I can, I can be best friends with unbelievers. I can date unbelievers. And it's not going to have any impact on my love for God. It's not going to have any impact on my affections for God. And folks, quick note here, you should be relating with unbelievers. You should have friends that don't know the Lord, don't have interest in the Lord, and you should have those relationships for the purpose of being a witness for God in that place and in that person's life. But when you start talking about that next level, these best friends, these people we date, these people that are in our lives and influencing us, oh, well, they don't, they don't influence me. Do not be deceived. And folks, this goes on and on. It's, it's all the areas of our life. As a matter of fact, look at this up here on the screen. I kind of want us to interact with this statement all together. As I say, here's the deal. Your friends, your music, your entertainment, your food, your physical care for yourself, your coworkers, and the news you watch, and more, your iPod, your iPad, your computer, all of it, every bit of it is all having a direct impact don't deceive yourself to think there's a neutral impact or there's not a real big impact. Every bit of it is having a direct impact on your general state of well-being, your decision-making, your relationships, and ultimately, it's going to affect your walk with God. Some of these things you can control. Hey, man, this is something good in my life. I can build it up. I can make it more. I can make it better. Oh, boy, this is something that, yeah, yeah that doesn't belong in my life. I need to get that out. But folks, there's also a whole bunch of things we don't really have such a simple control to, to add it or delete it. There are some things in the garbage column. There's some things in the unhealthy column we can't necessarily always just dismiss. So the question is then, how do I respond to that? How do I adjust to that? If I'm not even aware that everything coming into my life is having an effect on the way I think, on the way I live, on the way I believe, then I have no ability at all to begin to try to adjust to that. Folks, look at all those things up there. You know what all those things are? That's your diet. 
That is what is sustaining and nurturing and feeding your life. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about what sustains, what feeds, what nurtures our life and every single bit of it, whether it's a real fast impact, like supersize me, or whether it's just slowly happening over a long period of time, every bit of it has an impact on our lives. Do you want a strong, healthy life? Do you realize every one of us in this room, we have things in our life that is feeding, nurturing for the purpose of strength, physical strength, spiritual strength, emotional, mental strength. We got things in our life, it's building us up, it's good, it's right, it's what God has, it's what God put there. But you know what? Every one of us in this room, every one of us, including me, starting up here, we also have some things coming through our lives that's having less than a healthy effect, a less than healthy impact on our lives. So, man, we need to become aware, don't we? Isn't it just a simple process of the first step? Just becoming aware of all the stuff that's going past my mind and past my eyes, past my ears, that is feeding and, and nurturing my life. We need to begin to develop a healthy column and, a, and an unhealthy column or a garbage column. You know, garbage in, garbage out. Now, maybe I shouldn't use the word garbage. We need to be careful about what we label garbage, right? <laughs> You want to be careful who you apply that to. You know, folks, it'd be nice is if we were working through and trying to figure out a health column and an unhealthy column if everything in the unhealthy column had horns and a pitchfork. Wouldn't that make it easy? Wouldn't that be clear? Oh, that's the unhealthy column and I know exactly what to do with it. But it's not that easy. There might be some things. Yeah, there might be some things that you look at and say, man, I know that's not right. I know I need to be more, more disciplined, more careful about that. But... But there's some other things. For example, we talked about something very unhealthy in our lives. Don't we all? I would imagine we do. Doesn't every single one of us have at least one really negative person in our lives? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you know, not every conversation, just four out of five. Four out of five conversations, it's about what they don't like, who they're mad at, who disappointed them, who hurt them, what's wrong, what's wrong with the church, what's wrong with the country, what's wrong with my neighbor, what's wrong with the pastor, what's wrong with my dog, what's wrong with you. I mean, it's just always what's wrong, and it's just constantly what's bad, and man, they just bring this. Do you know that's actually an unhealthy conversation? I'm not talking about spiritually or morally. I'm physically. Did you know when you're in conversations like that, it literally tenses you up? Whether you're feeling it or not, you get more tense. You get more anxious, which is why God gives us commands. Because he created this machine. You remember that, right? He created it. He said, hey, listen, there are problems. There are things to be upset about. There are things to be mad about. But I didn't create this machine to solve any of those problems by worrying, being anxious, or by grumbling and complaining. And so he gives this command, do not grumble and complain. I will not fix or solve anything in your life through grumbling and complaining. So when we're involved in conversation, it's unhealthy. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, it's unhealthy. Now, if that person who is oh so very negative is a pagan God-hater, they have little baby horns growing out of their head, then yes, that makes it very, I need to get out of that person's life. I'm getting away from them. Yeah, that's easy, but what if they don't have horns? What if that person actually is a believer, or at least proclaims to be a believer? What if that person, watch out here, goes to church with you every Sunday? Don't poke them. Do not poke them right now. Don't do that. That's embarrassing. Okay? Don't point to them. 
Is there over there? <laughs> but you know what? Isn't that a little bit more of a challenge? How do I do that? Am I just supposed to kick that person out? Or is there, a, is there another way I'm supposed to process that, handle that, deal with that? Folks, what I'm talking about actually takes a tremendous amount of wisdom and insight. To, to, to be able to stand back and look at all of the pieces of my life, the relationships, the entertainment, the music, the internet, the education, the, the workplace, the conversations in the workplace, best friends, kind of sort of friends, not at all friends, but they're in my life every day. It, to, to be able to look at all of these things, the news we watch, the magazines we read, and to see what kind of impact is this having on my life, and how am I supposed to respond to it? Because it is having an impact. It takes really a lot of wisdom to kind of pray through this and be able to develop a healthy column and an unhealthy column. As a matter of fact, let me tell you one of the first places we'll try to deceive ourselves. The moment we start trying to go to a healthy column and an unhealthy column, we'll create a big old giant center column. We'll call it the neutral column. I know I can't put it in the healthy God column, but it's not hurting me. It's not that bad. I'm going to put it here in the center column. You know what that is? That's like drinking a Coke. Who likes Coke? I do. I love Coke. I love a good ice cold Coke. But you know what? It is, what is the word for it? It's called empty calories, isn't it? Empty calories. You put it in, it's adding calories to your body, but there is zero nutrition. It gives zero nutrition. So it's called empty calories. Do you know over time that ultimately that that kind of neutral thing, it's wonderful to enjoy, it tastes good, but it's empty. It does ultimately have a negative impact, doesn't it? Folks, everything in the neutral column is not neutral. Sooner or later, it has its impact. So we really need to develop the healthy and the unhealthy and then get wisdom on how to respond to that. And I think probably the wisdom we need is not our thinking about it real hard, gritting real tight and coming up with our thoughts and opinions. Man, we need God's wisdom, don't we? Don't we need God's voice, God's leadership, God's guidance on these things in our life? And we can certainly get that. Man, Proverbs 2, 6 says, God gives wisdom. James chapter 1 says, you don't have wisdom because you don't ask for it. So this is something we can seek from God and pray. Boy, I tell you what, I think here at the time of a new year, really a lot of us looking out at some things that are coming or that we're hoping are coming or that we want to happen. And we want to ramp it up a little bit. I mean, I need God's leadership, not kind of, sort of. I need it right now. I mean, I really want to know God's will, God's ideas on some things. And so there is a way to ramp up our prayer. We call it prayer and fasting. You know what fasting does? Fasting humbles the prayer. Psalm 34 says that, that, that and, and folks, God always, 100% of the time, blesses humility, exalts humility. And, and so fasting humbles the prayer. It also hones the prayer. There's just something about when we're fasting, whether we're fasting for a day or a couple days or a longer amount of time, it just keeps us focused. It keeps us intense in that prayer, holding on to God till we understand and see that leadership. You know what else it does? It dials us in. It dials us in so that we have a greater sensitivity to God's voice and leadership. Folks, as I prayed a moment ago, God's voice and leadership is not the variable. It's there. God wants you to have this. The problem is, folks, we've allowed, we eat such a bad diet. We allow so much garbage into our life, it puts a static out there so we don't see it, we don't get it, we don't understand it, we stop looking for it. The variable's not God, the variable's us. 
And there's something about prayer and fasting that just kind of cleanses and focuses and dials us in so that we're really sensitive to what God has always been saying, what God has always wanted to give us, how He's always wanted to lead and guide. And so we take on that that prayer and fasting. And folks, this is why our church is inviting you, inviting all of us to enter a time of fasting. To enter what we call a, a, a Daniel fast. It's the best fast in the whole world. You fast and you eat all at the same time. Isn't that cool? It's a good idea, isn't it? The Daniel fast comes out of Daniel chapter 10, verses 2 and 3. Daniel seeking God's clarity, God's understanding, God's leadership. But he eats. He eats while he fasts. You say, well, how does he do that? Well, what he does is he really kind of hones and simplifies his diet. Probably the simplest way to explain it is fruits and vegetables and nuts. You say, well, what is he not eating? He's not eating meats. He's not eating desserts. He's not eating the fun food. And folks, about half of our diet, are you ready for this? Think about it. It's true. About 50% of the time we eat and about 50% of the things we eat is not for nutrition and strength. It's for pleasure and comfort. We eat for fun. And so some of us, when we go through something like this, we will actually feel like we're dying. We're not going to make it. There is no greater suffering than what I'm going through right now because so much pleasure and comfort in our life is derived from food and that's, that's actually the stuff we're fasting from. But what the Daniel fast gives you the ability to do is to kind of dial down that diet, kind of get it down to these simple things so we're still getting the nutrients and strength we need, the calories that we need, but we can also go for an extended period of time so that we have not one day, but, but a couple of weeks. The Daniel fast in, in Daniel chapter 10 was 21 days. He was just dialed in listening to God. And so we're, we're encouraging you to take this on for one reason, folks, to know God's will for your life. To get his leadership and guidance, maybe on a particular issue you're dealing with, maybe just on on 2012 and beyond, to know his voice. That's the purpose. Let me tell you a couple of things that is is not the purpose. Uh, The the purpose of fasting, uh, folks, is not to spend the next three weeks thinking about food. (laughs) I've seen this, by the way. Folks, the goal is not to think about and talk about and become absorbed with what you can eat and what you can't eat and how you can prepare it. Uh, that's not what the, that's about. Now, you need to know that, don't you? And you want to know that, and there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, if you go to our website, uh, we have a PDF file on the Daniel Fast. It's a very long file. I think it's 30, 40-something pages. It'll actually give you a 21-day menu. So you know kind of how to put this together in some variety. You don't have to use it. It's just some helps for you. Uh, There's a variety of recipes in there and ways to pull these foods together and and create a meal. Mom, I know. You want to know, what am I going to put on the table other than carrots and apples for 21 days? Uh, and, And by the way, I'm not necessarily saying you carry your children through this, especially if they're pretty active in, in sports and everything. You might want to think through how you do that. But we've got some helps for you there on how to understand how you would eat during this time. But I've just seen it so many times. People will take this on and then they'll spend three weeks talking about food. That's not the goal. Are you ready for this earth-shattering newsflash? It's about prayer. It's not about food. Don't make it about food. Make it about God's voice. Another goal, or another thing that is not the goal of fasting, is to lose weight. And I would add to that, it's not to lose weight, and it's not about health. Can you lose weight on something like this? Yeah, of course you can. Matter of fact, there's a diet out right now. I just like the name of it, the caveman diet. That just sounds right, doesn't it? There's something good about that. 
you know? Now, now the caveman diet, shock and surprise, is actually very similar to what Daniel's describing in the Daniel fast. It does add meat. Daniel doesn't eat meat. But it, it, it's, it's surprising how similar it is. Folks, when you go through these kinds of things, eat this kind of way, uh, you'll find your blood pressure gets better. Your blood sugar levels get better. You'll find that you do have strength uh, and, and focus. You, you probably would under this lose weight. And none of that is the goal. You will not find a single verse in the Bible that is talking about fasting that links it to health and losing weight. Can that be a byproduct of this? Yes, absolutely it can be. That's not the goal. The goal, here again, newsflash, it's prayer. It's knowing God's word. It's knowing God's leadership and voice in your life. Can there be benefits? Yes, but that's not the goal. Could you come out of this and say, hey man, you know what? I felt so good during this. I, I want to actually change the way forever that I eat. Well, man, super for you. But that's not the goal of these 21 days. That's not the purpose. It's knowing God's voice. Folks, it, it's, it's using this time to have as great a desire for God as we have for food. And let's be honest, we have great desire for food. It is turning to God and finding strength and sustenance in Him instead of food. Now, you know, folks, I thought of the way I said that, instead of food. And I almost make it sound like food's a sin. Folks, food's not a sin. And there is nothing wrong with finding strength and sustenance from food. God designed your body and my body that way. On a normal basis, day in and day out, we are going to find life and strength and health by eating. That's the way God made us. That's a physical truth. But there's also a spiritual truth. God has enabled our body to step back from food for periods of time to, guide, to, to, to find a greater focus on Him and to, and to link our health and our strength and our focus to Him. And it works. It works. But that's not to suggest, oh, the goal of life is never to eat again. Well, you better get your goals fixed pretty quick then because you've got a short time to fulfill them. God designed us to eat, but there's benefit too in not eating. And so we're encouraging and challenging to think about taking on this Daniel fast. If it, when you leave today, when you go out to our information desk, we have uh, two items out there. One is a sheet that will kind of guide you through what a Daniel fast is. It, it's a real simple statement. Again, you can go to our website and get more information. But uh, it's a simple sheet that explains what the fast is, gives you that general target of what not to eat and what to eat, uh, gives you the dates. Now, our idea, what, what we came up with is that we would start today. Now, you go home today, you eat lunch. It's your last regular meal. Enjoy it. I mean, you get it all out, man. You eat everything. I'm getting 10 pounds at lunch. No, you probably actually shouldn't do that. But normal meal at lunch. And then starting tonight, we're suggesting... Now, Daniel didn't do this. This is not something you have to do. But we're suggesting maybe a way to kind of kickstart this whole process is that then tonight, we'd start a full fast for 24 hours. We wouldn't eat dinner, we wouldn't eat breakfast, we wouldn't eat lunch. We'd take in just water and, and juices, uh, mostly on the water side, and just kind of kickstart this whole process. And then at dinner tomorrow night, we would start the, the Daniel-type foods. And then we do that from today through January 29th. And then when we leave the morning of January 29th and go to lunch, it's, you know, it's, it's back to, to more of a normal, regular diet. Now, that's the plan we put down. That's what God brought down from Mount Sinai, handed to me, and told you to do. So, if you eat anything other than fruits and nuts tonight, you're going straight to hell. I'm sorry. 
No, folks, you know what? Really, I say that jokingly to say, do you know where those dates come from? In a staff meeting, actually, I picked them. Not, not very spiritual. I'm sorry to remove the mystery and romanticism of how decisions are made. We just picked some dates. I mean, you got you to pick a target, right? But you know what? Actually, especially if today's the first time you're kind of hearing or processing this, I would not suggest you start tonight. I, I think you need to go home, whether it's as an individual or as a couple. You need to pray. Is this what God wants me to do? Is this what God is calling me to do? And whether you pray about that for a day or a couple of days, when you head into this, you should have a sense, man, that God wants to speak to me, and God's going to use that, this to do that. I feel called of God to do this. And so you may not start till Wednesday. You may not start till next Sunday. You, you might do it for a week. You might do it for two weeks. You might start next Sunday and do it for three weeks. So you'll go a week longer than maybe a whole lot of others will. Guess what? It's okay. That's all right. As a matter of fact, there's a variety of ways to do this. You, you, maybe with your schedule, maybe with some things you've got going on, maybe with travel, because it is a little bit challenging uh, to have to eat on the road and eat this way. Uh, you know, maybe you'll take two or three days and do the Daniel fast, and you'll do that two or three days every week for three or four weeks. Maybe you won't do anything like the Daniel fast. Maybe what you'll feel, you know, I want to fast, I want to pray. My schedule's not going to allow that, but you know what I want to do? I want to fast a full day. Again, no food at all, maybe more just the water. I want to take a day a week for the next two, three, four weeks and try to work through these things in my life. You may do it that way. Now, folks, what I'm not trying to present, I'm not saying we're going to be loosey-goosey, kind of, you know, do whatever you want, it doesn't matter. What I mean by that is, you're not going to go out and say, I'm going to do the Daniel fast, and by about the third meal, this is killing me, I don't think God's calling me to this. You know, and then I'm going to stop it. And then the next day I'm going to start it again once I got a good dessert in me. I, I, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Well, that's how guilt works, isn't it? That's exactly how guilt works. I'm not suggesting that. I think you should pray about it. Ask God what he wants you to do. And then I think you should design over the next one, two, three, four weeks how you're going to do this. And once you have that plan, then you commit to it. No matter what your stomach's doing. You commit to it. You say, hey, you know what? I'm giving this to God. And over the next couple of weeks, man, I want to know God's mind. I want to know His mind on all of the stuff that's coming into my life. And know how to evaluate it. Healthy, unhealthy. And how I respond. What am I to do with that unhealthy column? Is it something I need to delete out of my life? Is it something I need to go to Scripture and learn how to manage in my life? How do I need to process that and get God's mind? That's the goal, Right? That's the goal. Folks, this is not a legalistic process. God, God doesn't command, if you want my voice, you have to fast. What he does say is, boy, fasting will really dial you in. Fasting will really help you get there. Aren't you grateful we don't have a God that says, here's the ten hoops that you've got to jump through if you want me to talk to you. Here's the three hoops here if you want a blessing. Man, God's gracious, folks. He wants to give, give, give. He wants you to know. Folks, the problem's not God. Problems, the garbage that's covering up our lives. Don't deceive yourself that there's no garbage there. There is garbage. And there's unhealthiness. And it's what's adding the static to your hearing and responding to God. So let's give ourselves some time over the next two, three weeks to really try to focus in on this. I said there's two things. The other thing you can get at the table out there today is a not one year, Oh, no, we can do better than that. Not one month. Oh, no, we can do better. A 21-day reading plan. We'll give you a plan to read the entire New Testament in 21 days. 
Now, I'd love to tell you, you can do this by reading the Bible five to ten minutes a day. But that doesn't even make sense, does it? No, if, if you're going to read the entire New Testament in 21 days, it's going to take, gosh, somewhere up towards the length of an entire sitcom. Yeah, in, instead of watching The King of Queens, you're going to have to spend 30 minutes reading the New Testament. Now, folks, you know what? That kind of reading is not intensive Bible study. But you know what it is? it is? It is taking 21 days. And you don't have to do it. It's an idea. It's a suggestion. It's out there if you want it. It's taking 21 days to absolutely saturate your mind, your eyes, and your ears with what? With God's thoughts. With God's voice. With God's ideas. With what's important to God. Man, hey, that'll have, that's food, isn't it? That'll have an impact too. That will greatly increase your ability to kind of work through and understand these different things going on in your life. Isn't that right? So those things are out there available for you. Uh, folks, let me tell you something. It'll it, be a challenge in some places. Your stomach will grumble in some places. It won't be so fun in some places. But you won't die. I, I can promise you that. You won't die. Now, having said that, I forgot I'm supposed to give a, a medical disclaimer here because I'm not a doctor. Well, no, actually, I'm a doctor. But I'm not that kind of doctor, and I don't play the other kind on TV either. Uh, but honestly, if, if you're taking medicines, especially medicines related to certain foods you're supposed to eat or not eat, you got health problems, here's again another reason you may not be ready to start tonight. You should talk to your doctor uh, about what you're doing, get his, his or her input on that. But uh, having said that, folks, for the most part, while you think you're dying, you're actually going to come out probably a little bit stronger, a little bit healthier, a little bit more focused. And best of all, isn't this the real reason, folks? man, maybe I'm going to come out with, a, with an understanding of how God wants to lead, what He wants me to do, what He's calling me to do in my relationships, in my thoughts, in my computer, in my work, and get His leadership and guidance on my life. Because something's got to change. You know, probably not all of us are feeling that way, but I bet there's, I bet there's some of us in this room right now that think something's got to change. Folks, God wants to tell you. And you know, He only speaks... He only speaks for your health, for your well-being, for your strength, and for your stability. He doesn't offer anything to your life that leads to anything less than that. The challenge is how do you and I position ourselves to hear it and respond, right? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you'd guide each of us in this room into what we should do with this. What should we do? Should we do a full 21-day fast? Do we start tonight? Do we, do we start next week? Do, do we have a series of full fasts throughout this time? God, I pray that every person in this room would have a sense of your voice and your leadership just on that question. How can I know the heart and mind of God? How can I know what He has for my life in 2012 and beyond? What does He have for my strength and my well-being God, I pray that every one of us would dedicate ourselves to that in these days and weeks to come. God, I have to be honest, I get really excited because I know you and I know what you want to say to us and what it can mean. And Father, I just know, I just know with all my heart that if hundreds of us throughout this church family are seeking your will for our individual lives, our, fa our family, our church, God is going to have an awesome impact to see your voice and leadership in hundreds of places and in this church as a whole. That is only going to be for good. 
Lord, I, I know this church family. And I know many of them are going to do that. And I know you're going to do it. And God, I praise you. I praise you. I don't even know what's going to come yet. I don't know what's going to happen. But I praise you because your voice is always good. It's always good. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen.